Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you watching online or listening, I am Jared Martin, Director of Student Ministries. I'm going to do a two-part series called Pack Your Bags. And I just want you guys to know uh, I am so proud of all our Murray State graduates. That is a huge accomplishment. Let's give them just a little bit of a... Because, yeah, because they need that encouragement. They're about to pack their bags in a different way. <laughs> and uh, we'll be talking about maybe making that transition in a healthy way. But also, I want to talk to... Uh, I'm about to make Mom's Day. I know this is Mother's Day. But I'm, moms, I'm about to make your day, okay? I'm about to say something to your children that you've been trying to say as long as they've been alive. So if you're a mom here and you have, no matter what age children you have, I hope today is something that will encourage you to keep saying some things to them. But also I hope uh, maybe you kids will listen to somebody besides your mom because you know you don't listen to your mom anyway. Um, and for you, may, maybe it's, it wasn't your mom in your life that was this voice of reason for you. Maybe it's your dad or a grandparent or a family friend or a neighbor or somebody. But there's, there's probably this person in your life, for me it was my mother, who was always reminding you about the things that you should be doing that you were neglecting. Like for me, I remember being in high school, and I, I, I don't mean to brag, but I was really good at school. Like school was easy. Um, and I would never bring any books home to study, and I would still get A's, and my mom would be like, why aren't you studying? I'm like, mom, I don't have to study. Why would I have to study? I already know everything. You know how you get that way? And then you go to college, and then you realize that that won't work anymore. Like, I had this moment somewhere in my sophomore year. I was still making good grades, but I remember thinking, mom had something going back then. I didn't know how to study, so when I would sit down with my then girlfriend, now a wife, and we would study together. And after about 10 minutes, I'd be like, hey, we ready for a break? And she'd be like, no, we have to study. And I'd be like, yeah, but that's not good for me. You know, like, that's, that's how I thought of studying. But my mom was always telling me in high school, you should be prepared for this. Maybe you don't have to study now, but you should practice studying for the future when you will really need how, know how to study. And for, for some of you, it wasn't studying at all. Like, you, you, you learned how to do that in high school. You listened to somebody and told you how to do that. But maybe for you... It was the people you hang around with, right? And there was this transition period where you went from college into a new job, maybe, and you moved off for, to a town for new, and for, you had to pick all new friends. There's nobody you knew. You went to a place you didn't know anybody, and you started trying to figure out who you're going to be around, and you'd have these conversations with your mom or whoever it was back home, and they'd be like, well, you need to find some good people like this. And they'd come visit you, and they'd be like, oh, are those your good friends? Like, those aren't the same people you need to be hanging around a lot with. And then there was some point in your life where you're like, oh, I get what you're trying to say. Like, I can now see it through mom's eyes. I see why she's telling me those people aren't good to hang around with because when I'm going through trouble, they're not around. But when, I'm, when I'm good, they're around and they're wanting things from me. And now I get it. I see it through her eye. And you can kind of see that. Or maybe for you, it was finances. Like, you, you, you kind of shot your way through college and that first job, and then you got married, and y'all started talking about having kids. And suddenly you were like, uh, what, what is this thing called a budget, Mom? I mean, I know you've been telling me about budgeting your money for a long time, but the, the whole budget thing gets to be real because you start thinking about your responsibilities and you've got to take care of other people and all this, and all this tension starts happening and you, you have this moment of panic where you're like, I'll never be able to afford a kid. And you, and you go through this and you think, man, if I could have just seen through my mom's eyes and been prepared for this transition moment, if I'd been just practicing some things along the way, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times when I look at transitions in life and I wish I'd paid attention to the people in my life who were saying, I know you may not need this now, but what if you need this later? Like maybe you should practice this now while it's safe and easy so that later when it gets hard, you'll already have some foundation ready. Wouldn't that be great? If we didn't have some of the regret and the tension going through a transition, 
and we would be ready for it. That would be amazing. So I hope that no matter what, you're, what transition you're preparing for, because what, by the way, we're all looking forward to what's next. Like we, we all want our life to be doing better and, and, and be better and have more peace and joy in our lives, whatever's coming in our future. So whether you're going from high school to college, college to new job, job to new job, from single to being married, from married to having a kid, from kid one to kid two to three to four, whatever it is, your transition to retirement. Listen, I hope today you will take to heart this, this wisdom that we all should be taking advantage of is that we can actually avoid some of the tension in a transition if we'll start doing some things that we know to be doing. But the problem is we often ignore transitions because we believe there's some magic in a transition. I don't know about you, but I find myself a lot thinking, well, this next stage of life, I know what's going to happen. I know whatever. So I have, one, I have one statement that you need to be aware of that's going to help you think about your next transition in a different way. It's, it's really this, that wherever you go, there you are. Like, you know how you sometimes look at a transition and whatever it is, and you say, well, once I get there, I'll do that. Like, once I get into college, I'll study. Like, once I get married, I'll pay attention to how I'm spending my time or whatever. Or once I have a kid, I'll get a budget because we, we don't really need one now. But eventually when we have a kid, we'll have to figure all that financial stuff out. I know I'll need to be saving for the future and all that kind of stuff. So once I, once I, and you get this kind of disease of once I. The problem is you're still taking you everywhere you go. And the chances are is that you're often putting off a decision to change something about yourself for some future time, like some automatic clean slate transition is going to change you into something new. And that's not what happens. If you'll think about any transition in the past, the transition itself may have given you an opportunity to, to start fresh and start new, but you were there with your same morals and your same weaknesses and your same strengths. And without some changes in the way you do some things, you aren't really prepared for this new challenge and this new transition. There's also something else true about us. We also believe that kind of behind the scenes that just knowing about a transition coming makes us ready for it. But that's not the truth. In fact, there's really no necessary correlation between knowing what's next and being prepared for what's next. Point A, your wedding vows. Like those of us who are married, we all said I do to a set of vows and promises we were going to do. But as you walk away from that ceremony and, and, and in the coming weeks you start going, I wonder if I can really do that. Like just saying I do doesn't mean you can. By the way, I've never doubted my wife's ability to do them. I've just doubted my own, right? Like, like this transition from knowing what's next to being prepared for what's next is not necessarily the same. So as we look at this, I want to I help us have the ability because I believe that no matter what transition you're facing, that you can pack your bags and start some things now that will have you ready to move on to the next step so that you have a foundation of peace and joy and things that you're going to need in this next challenge of life without having to wait till you get there. Why wait till you get there but go ahead and have some things ready? All of us pack differently whether you pack the night before or you pack the week before and you have a checklist, whatever, none of us goes on a trip without packing. So why would you go into the next transition stage of your life, the next season of your life, without preparing for it? So here's what I want to walk you through. Uh, we're going to look at a, a set of verses written by a guy named James. And if you don't know much about James, James was actually raised as the brother of Jesus. Like Jesus was his half-brother, okay? So born of Mary, uh, Jesus 
born of the Spirit and born of Mary, didn't have Joseph as father. So James, though, is his brother, grows up with Jesus. I just want you to just perhaps picture the pressure. I don't know about you guys, but I'm the oldest brother, and my mom would always say things like, your younger brothers are looking up to you. You need to set a good example. I, I think maybe in this example, maybe Mary was looking at Jesus going, you're such a great example to James. And James is over here going, yeah, he's such a good example, Mom. Oh, thanks a lot, blah, blah, blah. Like the, the older brother syndrome had to affect him just a little bit. But at some point, this guy James, he watches his brother. And I don't care if you, if you kind of have this sort of like, uh, you know, shrugged off look at your older brother or whatever. But he watched his brother be tortured, taken, and killed for something he didn't do. And that had to hurt a little bit. And I'm not, we're not sure when this happened, but at some point James saw Jesus alive in the coming weeks and made the decision that that's not only my brother, that's also my Lord and Savior. Now that's weird, right? So this guy, this guy James writes this, this section of Scripture and actually says this in, in a verse in chapter 1. You will be blessed in what you do. Wouldn't it be great if we knew we could be blessed in what we do? Like, is there some way we can guarantee hashtag blessed will be upon us, for the, right? If there's some way we can guarantee that, how can we make sure that happens? And James says, well, you can be blessed in what you do. You can, you can get there. You can do that. You can have peace and joy. Despite the transitions and the challenges that are coming for you in the future, there's a way to be blessed in that. And I think we'd all agree we don't want an ironic life. We don't want this moment where we're like, man, it was just the good advice that I just didn't take. I know that's Alanis Morissette's song, but just kind of ignore that old, old song reference. But you don't want your life to be ironic. We want our life to be great. And we don't want our life to be the same 10 years from now as it is now. Like we look forward 10 years now, and you know I'm in my 40s, and when I'm in my 50s, I want to be better in my 50s than I was in my 40s. There's some things I need to be doing to get there. But, you know, 10 years from now, if I look back and say, yeah, I'm just kind of the same old guy and the, just doing the same old thing, just kinda, we don't look on that favorably. Nobody looks at a 25-year-old and says, hey, it's a good thing you're still acting like you're in high school. That's great. It's great you haven't changed. Right? Nobody does that. We all want to be better, doing better, going forward in whatever transitions we face. We want to be blessed, like James says. So how do we get there? I want to walk you through that this morning. We're going to back up a few verses and start in a, in a section. Let's go to this verse. James says... Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I mean, this is pretty obvious. We, we look at this word listen, and, and, and kind of in our days today, I mean, I know you're listening to me today, but most of us, you know, when you sit down and you actually watch videos or, you're, or you read you know, the Bible for yourself or you read books for yourself and you start to learn and there's kind of this thing. But in, in his day, it, you went somewhere to listen to somebody talk. You, you would hear a guy teach uh, and Jesus specifically would teach on a mountainside. He would teach in a boat. He would teach at different places, and people would listen. It was, a, it was an oral culture, culture. You listened and you learned by listening. But this is not just about listening. This is about anything you do as you learn what God has said about life, what Jesus said about life. He says, anything you do to listen to that word, just don't just listen to it and then deceive yourselves. Like it's, and you guys get this in any other context. Like, take yourself out of the biblical context, because some of you may not be sure you're, you're not really engaged with Jesus yet, and you're not sure you're following him, and God kind of seems like a, an awkward position right now. You're like, you're willing to come because a friend of yours brought you, and that's all good. And, and so, but think about this in a different context. Going to a class, a college class, and if you just sat there and you just merely listened, like, that wouldn't be enough. Like, they assign you to go home and write this paper and do that. Like, you, there's something besides listening. You would deceive yourself if you just thought listening would be enough for you, right? 
You go into a meeting, and, and your boss is there, and he's explaining to everybody and just listening. Like you come out of the meeting and be like, man, I did a great job. I listened really well today. <laughs> I'm a good listener. Right? You would, your boss would be like, what happened? We just talked about this. I know. I heard every word. I know, but nothing happened. Right? We deceive ourselves when we think that just listening, just by attending, nobody can get by with that in any context. And James is pointing out to us here, like, don't let listening just listening to what Jesus has said or listening to what God has told us to do, don't, let, don't deceive yourself. Don't let that think that's enough. He literally says, do what it says next. Like, like you listen and then obviously, practically, you just do what it says. Like this is, this is great. This is, this is so easy. Like this is so binary. This is this black. Like if you hear it, then you do it, right? Mom says clean your room. Go clean your room. Right? And we know that really doesn't happen. At least not in my house, it doesn't really that well. When she, you know, my mom used to tell me to clean a room, it would be the 2,000th time she'd be like, can you just clean your room? Right? But wouldn't it be great if we could respond in love and trust to the people in our lives to just do what we know would be good for us? And James is pointing out, so this is, this is really obvious, people. This is practical, common sense. When you hear something, you should be doing you should do it. Awesome. Great. We're done here. Like this is, this is too easy to talk about, right? But James gives us a, this is, this is what, James gives us a visual image that makes this unforgettable for us. And listen, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, this, this visual image should bring this so close to your heart and so close to you that you, are, that you are willing to start doing some things that maybe you haven't been doing. And maybe you're willing to start not doing some things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And listen, if you're not a believer here this morning, this can still convict you on some things that you know you should be doing in your life. Even if you're not sure you're a follower of Jesus, regardless of that, this, this, this image he gives us helps us think about our lives and the future and our transitions coming to set a foundation for ourselves in a whole new way. Watch what he says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, keep going, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You guys know what a mirror is? I don't need to explain this. Like, the, the purpose of a mirror is very simple. You're supposed to get up and look in it and see what's wrong, and then fix it, right? Like this morning, I, I, this is such a perfect example. I told my wife last night, hey, don't let me forget to shave before I go to bed. I wake up this morning, I'm brushing my teeth, I look in the mirror, forgot to shave. Guys, I didn't have time to shave before I left the house. I literally had to bring my shave kit here. When I got here, I found time to shave, okay? But this is a perfect example. Like I could have looked in the mirror and be like, you know what? Good enough. Good enough. No problem. Good enough. You ever get up in, in the morning, you look at the mirror and you go, yeah, good enough. And then you get somewhere and you realize, oh, not good enough. Right? You show up somewhere. This is me to a T, guys. I often believe that everybody's going to think about an event like I do. Like, I believe that t-shirt and tennis shoes should go anywhere. I don't care. We're meeting for coffee. T-shirt, tennis shoes. Going to a funeral. T-shirt and tennis shoes are probably okay. Like my wife, she argues with me all the time. No, honey, people don't think about these things the way you do. Oh, okay. So she helps me look in the mirror because I'm not really good at it. 
But for those of you, most of you who are normal, your, your job is to look in the mirror, be convicted by what you see, and put it in place, right? Not out of vanity, not because you just, you're just want, and some of us do because we don't look good, but mostly because there's some expectation about a mirror. If you show up at work, nobody gets by with just looking in the mirror. You get to work and you show up and people are like, dude, what happened? I, I don't know, I looked in the mirror. Well, did you look or did you just kind of look? Because maybe you saw what you looked like, but you didn't do anything about it. They, you don't get a pass for that. Like your client you meet with over that big deal, you know, and you've got the piece of spinach between your teeth, like he can't stop looking at it, right? And all you had to do was look in the mirror and then fix it. And if you saw something between your teeth and you didn't do anything about it, well, that's just wrong, right? And James is going, you spend all this time looking in the mirror for your physical appearance, and yet your happiness in the long term has less to do with your physical appearance than it does with your character and the way you live your life. So James says, man, if you just walk away after looking yourself in the mirror, then you're missing out. Then, you, then you, you're forgetting what you look like and you're forgetting what you need to fix. And James points us at our character and says, listen, if you're just going to look in the mirror and walk away, then you're just going to hear something that's good advice and great stuff and you're just going to walk away. Because it takes some energy. It takes some focus. It takes some time to re-push yourself over and make a change about something that you notice. And so many times, Christians, we're awful at this. We're so bad at this. We feel convicted. We hear somebody talk about something or read something in God's Word. We hear somebody say something or a friend. We see it in their lives and you get convicted and you feel, man, I should really change that about myself. I should, I should try to figure out how to do that. And we walk away and do nothing. And we deceive ourselves. And we believe it's enough to be informed. We believe it's enough to feel convicted in that moment. A lot of times we treat church as coming here so we can kind of feel bad about the things we're not doing well or, or maybe feel bad about the things we should be doing. I know, I know. And we walk away and we forget what we look like. And James says, you're not going to be ready. You're not going to be ready for that next step in your life. You're just, you're just not going to be prepared for what's coming, the transitions that are coming in your life. You're going to need to change. There's things that God sees for you to do in the future and you need to be ready for those. Watch what this next verse says. He said, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Somebody who looks intently. You ever looked intently in the mirror? Like, you know, most things you look in the mirror at, you can see right away and you can fix them right away. But every once in a while, you've been looking in the mirror and you see, man, oh, man, wow, I may need to do something about that tooth. It's really hurting inside, and when I look at the mirror, it's kind of inflamed around the gums. I can't do anything about it now, but I need to have a plan for that. You ever see something that's a little bit larger than the normal ever today, and you look at, intently look, you look intently, you find, and you look not only at what just needs to fix right now, but maybe what's down the road you need to fix, and looks intently into this perfect law. And that's confusing. What's James talking about, the perfect law? Let me, let me explain to you this perfect law business. See, James watched Jesus teach and live out something. And James remembers a time when, when somebody looked at Jesus and said, hey, uh, what's, the, what's the greatest law? What's the first law? Like, what's the best one? If I had to follow all of them, maybe I can't follow them, but what's the one best one? And Jesus just looks and said, hey, really, there's, there's just one big law that you need to pay attention to. It's 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And without asking, he says, yeah, and the second's like it. In fact, the second and the first are really kind of paired together as one, but you should love others as your neighbor. Love others first before yourself. And so Jesus teaches this perfect law as, look, you've got to love God, and you've got to love others. Like you got, those are the those things that you really should focus on. That's the perfect law, and that's the way Jesus lived his life. Like he focused on loving God and loving other people before he loved himself. That's what led him all the way to a horrible death on a cross. And James is saying, man, a person who looks intently into that, like loving God and loving others first, that's the person who experiences freedom. Like if you can just learn to orient your life around loving God and loving other people first, like if you could, if you could figure out how to do that, right, then you would, you would have this freedom for whatever's coming your way. And a lot of us don't see God's law that way at all. Like we don't look at anything that God tells us to do as, as freedom. We look at it as chaining us up. We look at different things that God tells us to do, and we're like, oh, man, that's just a limit on my life. It's just limiting me from enjoying my life. I don't understand. But James says, no, 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 no. You know why? It's because you can't see you like, you, like God can. Just like you couldn't see you like your mom could. Just like you couldn't see you like your grandparents could. And they were trying to tell you, hey, you need to be doing this because in the future this is going to be helpful. Hey, it's a budget. You need to be paying attention to your friends. You need to pay attention to studying right now. And you can't see the future, but they can because they've been through it. They've been through those transitions, and they're trying to warn you, hey, put these things in place. And God looks at your life. He says, hey, put these things in place. No, right now it seems like it's a limit. It seems like it's awful. It seems like it's painful, but you need to put this in your life because over time you'll be free. And we don't see anything that way. You know, you, th- you think about giving. Like, you, you see, read so many verses in the New Testament about generosity. And, and Matt talked about this in the series Guardrails. If you guys haven't been through the series Guardrails, please go online and go into that app and watch Guardrails. Watch every one of them. They're so amazing. A few weeks ago, he talked about this give, save, live business. He talked about, he explained why we should give first, then save, and then live. This seems really, really like a chain, doesn't it? Like, why do I got to give first and then save first and then I get to live on the rest? That seems like totally backwards. Why don't I live and then I'll save some and then I'll give what's left over? Like, it seems like it's a weird way to orient your life. And yet you find the longer you do this, the longer my wife and I do this, the, the better we realize that God has placed us in freedom. Like, because our income doesn't really control our lives because we've trained our hearts to give first. And I can't imagine what it would be like if we hadn't started doing that early on, if we had to try to switch in the middle. But I can tell you this, over years and years and years of doing that, this trains our heart to be better at giving and looking at others' needs first before our own. And so God says, look, 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 here's why I want you to give and then save and then live is because I want you to be focused on others first because that will actually free you up from the things that you're entrapped in. Because if you live for yourself first, you're going to feel trapped by your budget. You're going to feel trapped by your job. You're going to feel trapped by this income that you're getting. And you're always going to feel like you just don't have enough to do with what you need to do. And you guys know what that feels like. You feel trapped. And isn't it funny? What God says to do actually frees you up from that and allows you to have joy. Oh, maybe I don't make the money that somebody else does. And maybe I don't have the job that somebody else does. But, man, I have the joy of giving part of what I do get to meet the needs of other people first. 
And wow, the fulfillment and the purpose I get out of that is amazing. All right? Let me hit an even more difficult topic for you. What about sexual intimacy? Like, doesn't it seem like just a pain to, like, save yourself from marriage? Like, doesn't that seem like a weird thing? Like, to, why, I mean, why should two loving people who are dating have to wait until they make this weird commitment in front of people? Because God says this is about others first. Like, do you care enough about this other person more than your own sexual needs to be like, you know what, maybe I should just wait. Maybe I should just wait because I'm putting you in a weird position because if we don't get married, then you've got that to live with, that we were connected in that way. And I'm just going to think about you first and maybe the future for you if we don't get married is with somebody else and I don't want you to have to carry me along with you to that next relationship. It's an other's first mentality. And God says, listen, I want to free you up. I want to free you up in, in, in sexual intimacy because exclusivity, not experience, is what actually brings romance to your marriage and your sex life. And I want you to be exclusive, not because I want to hold you back, because I want to free you up to experience all that sex has in store for you once you make a commitment to someone. Yeah, but I know we're going to get married someday. Well, then just get married. <laughs> make the commitment. Once we get married, it'll be better. No, 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 just go ahead and do it now. Because God says, look, if you'll, just, if you'll just do it within the confines of what I'm telling you, if you'll do it within this, this, this shape that I'm giving you, you'll actually find greater freedom, enjoyment, and wonder. And here's the problem. We just don't trust God. We don't trust God. But did you know what? The doing of today leads us successfully into tomorrow. See, every transition you're about to face is actually about, can you put some things in place today? Can, can you do some things you know are going to be good for you today? Can you do that today so that it will lead you successfully into tomorrow? That's really what, what God's commands and His perfect law is really all about, is trying to prepare you for that transition that's coming. And even though you maybe not get the benefit right away of give, save, live, and maybe you don't feel like you're getting the benefit of saving yourself for a marriage relationship, maybe you don't feel that right now, but in the long run, you're ready for that transition. So let me ask you two really, really, really difficult introspective questions that are just going to step all over your toes. You ready? You're not ready, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. What are you doing that you shouldn't be doing that you tell yourself you'll stop someday? Like, what is it that you're doing right now that you go, well, once I, well, once I, well, once I get married, I, I won't need porn anymore. I'll just take care of that porn thing later once I'm married. But right now, I, it's, it's no big deal. Well, once I have kids, once I have kids, I'll come home early. I mean, because my wife, she's okay with that. She's okay with me coming home late every night. It's no big deal. But once I have kids, I'll come home and be home at dinner time. What, what are you telling yourself that you'll stop someday? That you really need to stop now? Let me ask you this question. What are you not doing that you should be doing that you tell yourself you'll start someday? What are some things that you look at and you go, man, I just, I want to be a known a person that serves. I want to be known as a person who just serves other people and does that. But, you know, right now my, my schedule is just really too busy 
And I know there's some places where, where people could use some help and different things in our community. And, but you know what, right now, that's, I, I can't even entertain that. Maybe, you know, someday I, I won't have kids around or I won't have this, as much pressure in my job and I, I'll do it later. Well, what do you need to do now? I just want to be so generous. You know, someday I just want to give away a lot of money. Well, what are you doing with your money now? Well, someday I would, just, I would be known as a grandpa who just, who just loves their grandchildren. But, you know, I, I, I've got so many projects and only things. And I, I, you know, I'll get to my grandkids someday. Listen, God doesn't give us these things to hold us back. Maybe there's some things you need to change now so that you're prepped and ready for what's coming next. And, and here's what I know, that we so don't trust God with what he tells us is good for us. That's really the issue, isn't it? Like we look at what we need to change of ourselves and we look at it and we justify kind of our own reasoning by why we're not doing it. And we're willing to trust ourselves more than we're willing to trust the God who can see every step that's coming at us. And no, guess what? Some things don't make sense that God tells you to do. I'm not going to promise you, if you, as soon as you start following Jesus and you start paying attention to what God wants you to do, that everything he tells you to do is going to make practical sense to you right now. In fact, some things you're going to read about in the Bible and th- some things you're going to be praying about, you're going to be like, it just doesn't make sense, God. I don't know why I'm doing this. But guess what? You just need to do what he says. Because he knows what you need even before you know it. And he can see further down the road than you can see And I'll guarantee you, if you look back at some transitions and some regrets, they're all paved with, ah, someday I'll do that. And now you wish you could go back and do that before you got there. Listen, I don't want anybody here to have to live with that kind of regret. I don't want anybody to have to look back in their life and go, man, I wish I had gotten prepared for this next transition. I want you to be preparing for your next transition and doing what it says, doing what Jesus said because he knows what you need and he loves you enough to put these things in your life to help you have freedom. And I want you to do that today. You know, there's one other verse that this, this made me think of in Matthew 7. Jesus is actually telling a story about how you build your house on a solid rock and he says this about us listening to him and obeying him. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. I want my life to be built on a firm foundation, on a rock. And Jesus says, if I'll listen to him and I'll practice what he says, then I have built my life on a firm foundation. And no matter what transition is about to hit me, college, new job, getting married, new kid, kids leaving for school, kids leaving for their new job. I'm worried about my parents. They're getting older. Whatever your next transition looks like, this is the way to be solid. This is the way to be ready. This is how you pack your bags for whatever is next. I want to ask you one more question. What do you need to do today? What do you need to start? I, I know you may not have the answers. I don't even know how to begin. Okay, we'll start with that and figure out what your very next step is. But don't walk away today and forget what you need to do because just listening today won't matter. Only in the doing it will it matter.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this wisdom. I want to thank you for everything that you've given us. You have given us the example of Jesus who lived this out. He did what you told him to do, even when it meant his death. And so, God, I pray that those of us who are believers here this morning would take this and in reality, in practical reality, continue to, in hope, live the way Jesus lived, to change the things we need to change, not because you said so and because it's some, some awful thing we have to do because it's the rules. No, 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 because we'll see it the way you see it. We'll see it as a way to free us up to live the way you created us to live. So, Father, give us the the courage to talk to someone about it. Give us the courage to make a next step, to, to pull some things out of our lives or put some things into our lives that help us arrange our lives around these priorities you've given us. And God, for those of us in this room who still don't believe in you as God, still don't believe Jesus is their Savior, God, I still pray for them to change some things they want to change, to, be, to have the power and the strength to change through and take some steps and maybe just to have an inkling, just a small bit of faith in what you've told them to do to test you out, and to see if you don't show up in their life. It's in your son's name I pray it. Amen.